everyone. Welcome to the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Sorensen, mother, grandmother, former teacher, and currently supporting parents who want to understand their children's behavior at a deeper level. This is where we talk about changing our perception and limiting beliefs around behavior to a more conscious approach to understanding ourselves, each other, and our most vulnerable population, our children. I share my self-discovery journey and what I've learned along the way and what I'm currently discovering as I continue evolving on this journey. My hope is that as we become more conscious of how we show up for ourselves, our children, and others, that we'll discover the beauty that lies within us all. So I hope you enjoy today's show. Hey everyone, before we get started today, I just wanted to make an announcement uh, that I will be hosting uh, a workshop, a Empowered Discipline Meetup uh, for parents who want to learn how to feel in control in their parenting, connect with others, uh, discover a new way to be connected in your relationships with your children, and find that willingness and cooperation really is possible. So this meetup is on October 21st. It is a free event. It will happen at 6 p.m. Central Time. Uh, So the link to register will be in the show notes, um, but it will be at tripleimpact.co slash empowered. Uh, My friends over at Triple Impact are going to be hosting this. So again, it's at tripleimpact.co slash empowered empowered. And again, that link will be in the show notes. So it's free and I hope to see you there. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome listeners, friends to another another episode of the Beauty and Behavior podcast. And I am honored today to get to share with you a guest that I have on. Erin Miller is here today, and I'm excited for our conversation. Thanks for uh, being here, Erin. Thank you so much for having me, Diane. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So I am just going to read Erin's bio, let you um, know, all you listeners know a little bit about her, and then we're going to dive into this conversation. So... Erin is a motherhood mentor and coach. So she is a Leo sun, Scorpio rising, Aquarius moon, manifesting generator, and Enneagram four. (laughs) I love it. Um, She holds her master's degree in counseling psychology and is the author of Motherhood Stripped. She holds several certifications in different coaching approaches and energetic healing pathways. So Erin's a motherhood mentor who suffered from anxiety and overwhelm early on in her motherhood journey. And with her experience and credentials, she guides her clients to learn to heal and manage their own anxiety and overwhelm. Erin teaches through a layered approach called the layered growth method. She also teaches women to become their own intuitive guide, leading them to create a dream life that is fully aligned And this is done through the different layers that teach self-care, energetic awareness, boundaries, and more. So I am so excited to, this is, these are things that I just love to talk about. It's like my, my favorite conversation. Um, And I wanted to have you on the podcast because I think you speak to 
the reality of motherhood and getting out of those cultural um, expectations that really kind of send us into overwhelm and exhaustion and anxiety. So, so welcome, Erin, and take it away. Yeah, I, it's always so interesting being um, introduced. You know, I, if, so people who aren't in the podcast world, do you typically, if you're interviewing someone, you ask for a headshot and a bio so that the, the podcast or the interviewer can read it. And even though I wrote what you read, um, it's amazing to kind of hear it, you know, it's like, wow, that's me. <laughs> that's pretty, yeah. that sounds amazing. And I, um, something I'm very intentional about, and it speaks to the discussion of kind of breaking away from the box of motherhood is that many women in general, um, not just mothers, well, and maybe just people, but when someone says, who are you? Typically we start with, I'm a mom. I have two kids. I'm a wife. Uh, and we never, that's, those are roles. Those aren't really who we are. And so, yeah. So I, it's uncomfortable though, to just talk about yourself and that if you feel uncomfortable, let that be a learning opportunity that trigger to be a learning opportunity. And so it's something as simple as someone asking me, can I have your bio? It really prompted me to think of, well, who is Aaron? And I am someone who aligns so much with understanding who I am through personality tests and astrology and all of those things. So that's why I like to share. I'm a Leo sun, a Scorpio rising and Aquarius moon, Enneagram for a manifesting generator. Cause if you know what those things are and you hear those things, you probably immediately know my personality and that's mm-hmm. who I am. Right. And mm-hmm. then my roles come and my certifications and my credentials and all of those things. So that's, that's been one of many lessons I've learned in, in really embracing who I am and not just being a mom, which is part of what makes me a better mom. Right. Yeah. It's, it's learning to really to get to know ourselves from the inside out rather than, you know, uh, building ourselves from the outside in, which is kind of what we're conditioned to do. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's kind of reversing that. Um, And I love how you said it's uncomfortable. Well, you know, and that's kind of the, I don't know, the, I have come to learn through my own journey that, yes, that is, we're going to be uncomfortable, right? We're going to do a lot of things that are uncomfortable. And, you know, I think the, the cultural boxes even are uncomfortable, but it's an uncomfortable that we know, right? Exactly. We're used to the overwhelm. We're used to the exhaustion. We're used to the do, do, do. And even though it doesn't feel aligned and we're kind of like, why aren't I happy? It's an uncomfortable we know. Um, and so when we move into, I think, the self-development world and what I call my self-discovery journey, Um, There is a lot of uncomfortable things, uh, but once, in in my perspective and my experience, once I um, embrace the discomfort, uh, because I think we're really a culture of um, uh, conflict resistant, set Mm -hmm. resistant, we just want everything to be moved over and happy because that's what we were told as as young children. 
but when we start to embrace that discomfort and just, it's kind of a, it gets to be a norm to be uncomfortable. Um, it's resilience. That's what I've come to learn that, oh, that's resilience that you can get uncomfortable. And on the other side of that, there is a space of freedom and then you get uncomfortable again. And then there's a space of freedom, but it, it has so helped me because I used to run from fear. I mean, you know, everything, I was anxious about everything. Um, and I used to run from it and I got to a place in my life where I just was so unhappy. Um, and so when I just, when I started this journey, there was a lot of things that I would have never done or were too uncomfortable. Um, but as I learned to move through that, it's getting easier and easier, but it's built so much resilience. So what would you say about that? You know, it's interesting as I'm listening to you talk, um, it's almost hard to articulate because this is something I think about a lot too, that so many women are uncomfortable, right? Like I know I, I want things to change. I want to feel happier. You know, you feel caught in this autopilot, um, but that there's a different uncomfortable when you're choosing to grow. And as I'm listening to you talk, I hear it more as there's an unintentional discomfort and an intentional discomfort. And I would say that that unintentional discomfort is when we allow life to kind of, you know, I think of as a kid, I used to be in the ocean a lot, how you just kind of get thrown around. It's like when a wave catches you and you're uncomfortable and you know, you could get out or like, but you're just kind of thrown around by the water as opposed to like, I'm going to choose to swim in the water and it's going to be uncomfortable because I'm building muscle, but I'm doing it on purpose you know, with an intention of where I want to go. And that's hard to make that decision and intention because it's easier to live inside of, um, the busy badge, the super mom, you're almost like, you're almost praised mm -hmm. to kill yourself as a mother. And we, I think we, we crave that approval, right? Yes. So we seek that. We are, we're, we learn to seek approval outside of ourselves, Right. And rather than approving of ourselves. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And I talk about that a lot too, that external and internal validation. And, um, we, we do, we look for someone to say, wow, the house is so clean. Or even, I mean, this is a simple example you clean the house and then your family comes home and you're so angry because no one is saying the house looks so great, mom. Thanks. You're looking for that external thing, that external proof that you're enough, that you're a good enough mom because you clean the house where a lot of the work that I do with women is really kind of switching that narrative to clean the house. Cause you want to clean the house. Yes. And then you don't need anyone to tell you great job. You can tell yes. yourself. <laughs> and that is freedom. Right? Yes, exactly. Yes. And so yeah. I think that's where we struggle so much in our parenting is that we attach our approval rating to our children's behavior. Yes. So, you know, yes. it's, it's our worth and, and our approval is attached to a three-year-old who has no impulse control. Yeah. And it's so stressful. Um, and so then we try to get the child to change and then they're stressed, we're stressed, there's more behavior in a suspicious cycle. So I loved how you said, clean the house for you. Um, and, you know, I think that's the same way with our parenting too, looking at our kids and going, oh, this is about you. <laughs> this, this, 
big emotion isn't about me. It's about you and what's going on inside of you. And we can honor that um, once we get there. But I love that you said that because I just went through um, some coaching with a friend of mine and she was um, talking about, we were talking about um, how since COVID, you know, most of my wardrobe has not been worn. Um, and I also quit my traditional job. So all my professional clothes were not being worn and how I really liked, um, you know, there was a younger part of myself that was very stylish and, you know, I really liked that. But then I was feeling like, you know, I did a lot of that for approval. Um, and so I wasn't doing it for myself. And so I was really confused about, you know, my style and, you know, am I just hiding behind my clothes and my hair and my makeup, but I enjoy those things. And what she said to me was, well, there may, been, may have been a time when you did that for others, but now you can do it for you. And it was like, oh my gosh, I'd never dawned on me to dress for myself. So yeah, you know, I think yeah. that's such a light bulb sometimes because we're so used to performing or being what we're supposed to be or whatever um, for yeah. others. Mm -hmm. And I, even as you're speaking, so I, I have a six and eight year old and I, it's a funny age to be, I have found in transitioning into being a mom, you kind of transition out of being a daughter and you have to like redefine your relationship with your mother for those of us who still have our moms. And I have found, um, my mom and I had a lot of growth to do when I first became a mom, because I found that I put a lot of expectation and needing approval from her. And when I didn't get it from her, I took it out on her. And she was like, I don't understand. Like, why are you so mad? Again, Leo's son, Scorpio rising, <laughs> Enneagram four, lots of emotion. Um, and it took a lot of growth and work within me to recognize um, how to be the mother that I want to be and know that my mom can still love me, even though I'm not a mom like she was and kind of just rearranging that whole narrative. And a lot of the women that I work with um, I, I see that and we're able to identify that, that they are trying to fit the, it's like this projected idea of what we think people want us to be. It's not even like, yeah, sometimes we have someone say, I want you to be a lawyer, you know, and tells us, but otherwise we kind of make the presumption of this is what I think they want me to be like. And we put a lot of weight on that. So talk about taking accountability for your own feelings and actions. And there really is true freedom on the other side. And there's no resentment either. It's not like, well, I'm doing this, like, screw you. You know, it's not this anger. It's like, I'm doing this because I know that this is what feels good. And if that makes you feel uncomfortable, I totally witness that for you, that you're upset with me or you're sad with me and you can feel that way. Yeah. But they're your feelings, not mine. <laughs> right. Cause we come yeah. back to the truth of who we are. Right. right. And so I, that's interesting that you bring that up because that is what I have found that pattern in my clients as well, is that there's this mother piece um, where there's a lot of anger and resentment just bubbling under the surface that a lot of times we're not even conscious about, you know, that's kind of in our subconscious. Um, and then, you know, we kind of see it in our children. You know, we see that anger, you know, we're like, where is this anger coming from? You know, and I always, you know, um, bring the light back to us, the adult, where is the anger in you? 
um, that you have or haven't processed or acknowledged yet. And, you know, then we usually find it, but um, yeah, that's really interesting how that, you know, we're kind of, it's like a, we're in the middle, right? Where we have our mothers over here and our daughters or our children over here and we're trying to navigate all that. So yeah, I think when we bring it to us and navigate to find our own truth, that's when we find peace. Um, because I think that anger and resentment really is about our boundaries being crossed um, because we don't know we, ha- we can have boundaries or what right. they even look like. Yeah. And that's, that's so much of what I discuss in my book and in my program is really identifying those boundaries. Cause like you said, I don't even think women know that they don't have boundaries. So when I get to that module in my program, I find that that's when women are like, oh my gosh, cause I have them really take an inventory of the boundaries in their life. And in our calls, they'll be like, I, I didn't even realize I, I didn't realize that this issue I'm having outwardly externally is a result of this lack of interpersonal boundary or whatever that might look like. And it really is amazing that through that process, like you said, you find an inner peace and it's interesting because I do see it a lot with the women I work with as a byproduct with how they end up parenting. So what I mean by that is all the work I do with these women is really, they're the nucleus, right? So all the work is with them, but there's all of these outer layers. You know, we have our marital relationships. If we have one, we have our children, we have our relationship with our household, our money, like all of those things will come in. Um, But what I have found is that typically, typically we externally try to access and, and fix those, those um, outer things, right? So we, we don't put on our oxygen is like the, the typical statement, you know, we just kind of attack the problem that we see outwardly, you know, like this is what's going on in my marriage. This is what's going on with parenting. And I'm trying to fix this with my body even, or with money. And we keep kind of stumbling and failing. And like, I just can't seem to fix it. And it's because we're not doing that inner work, meaning, um, journaling, really discussing the things that are uncomfortable. Where is that anger coming from? And it's incredible that over months working with these women, it's only months later that they'll be like, well, this was the relationship I had with my dad. And it's like, oh, bingo, there's that missing component that we needed to understand where this is coming from. And it takes that long because it is really uncomfortable. And what I find is that when women begin to access those inner, I feel like it's so trendy to say wounds and healing, but just those inner pieces and experiences that we haven't fully witnessed yet, meaning acknowledged when we actually get to that is when all of a sudden I'll have a client boxer me and be like, I was riding my bike with my kid and realized I can just ride my bike with my kid and not think about work. And that, that was like this byproduct of doing that inner work or that my child was having this huge tantrum. And typically then I basically tantrum, but somehow I ended up allowing him to tantrum. And I sat with my tea and just allowed him to feel. And it, there was no decision is my point. It was no like, okay, client, this is how I want you to react when your kid's tantruming. This is how I want you to experience riding a bike. It's just this byproduct of oh, this is what happens when I begin to do work on myself. It's this, it's an amazing aha moment and growth moment. It's beautiful. And you're so right about, you know, you can give strategies and, you know, you can say this or you can say that, but, and they can use that, 
but it's not going to make any difference if they haven't done the inner work um, right. because the energy and the tone is still going to carry that anger and that resentment. Um, right. So, yeah. So, yeah. And I found, I find boundaries just fascinating because I also found out that, oh, I didn't have boundaries either. Or didn't, you know, what, what the heck are you talking about? So I just find it fascinating. And I do believe it is one of the top issues in our relationships. Yes. Um, and so we talked a little bit about self-care. What would you, what do you define self-care as, Erin? Uh, self-discipline mm. is what, what I, I always, I like it's, I think self-care, especially nowadays, um, we just haven't been taught what it is. So I think we've defined it in a way of luxury and, you know, like, oh, you got a pedicure, you're getting your hair done. You got a massage. Um, those types of things of you're taking care of yourself, even, even sometimes like taking a bath and all of those things. And I remember back when I didn't have any boundaries and never took care of myself, I was resentful to women who did because I was always like, I don't have time for that. Like you're lucky, you know, and talk about boundaries with time, with thoughts, with negative self-talk, those kinds of things. And, um, I have found that self-care truly is self-discipline and recognizing you're more important than anything else, anything else. And it's really, really hard to shift that narrative, that storyline, because it's always been, well, once I get this work done, then I can eat lunch or then I'll work out. Or once the kids sleep through the night, then I'll start going to the gym because I won't be so tired. It's always like when this happens, then I can take care of myself. And the discipline is showing up, even though it feels really hard. You know, like this morning I, um, I walk all the time and I oftentimes will just allow that to be my movement. I like to sync my movement with my cycle and I teach women how to really manage their energy through that. Um, but I have absolutely in the past week and a half been skipping workouts with great reasons. I think, you know, I really talk myself out of them. And this morning I, I really wanted to do some work before our call today. And, um, I was like, I'll just skip the workout to get that work done. And I had this moment of like, Aaron, that work is not more important than your, your health right now. Like health is absolutely priority more than any other time. Right. So anyways, it, it, I needed discipline to say, just show up, do, yeah. and I still got some work done. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just recognizing you can still, it's the boundary. Yeah. Though I was just going to say what I'm hearing you say is self-care is boundaries. Absolutely. A million percent. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And it's hard. Yeah. Uncomfortable. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. 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 Somebody taught me to shift that word hard to uncomfortable. Yes. And for me, that's helpful because I think, you know, when we say, oh, that's so hard, it insinuates that we ca I can't do this. It's just too hard. And when we say uncomfortable, it's like, okay, yeah, it's uncomfortable and we can go through it. You know, we can get uncomfortable. Right. So that's just been helpful for me. Mm -hmm. um, so you talked, you all, this is kind of a good segue into, can you talk a little bit about, you help women to master 
their energy and flow mm-hmm. and not time and structure. So can you talk to about that? Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> I have been the master of trying to manage time and the to-do list, all of those things. And I, I think this really comes into the discussion again around that external, you know, I, I got to cross all these things off my list. Uh, you know, I need to finish this before I can eat whatever it is. Um, and the people I work with, these women often, a lot of us hold that energy, right? It's a very masculine structure energy and we need structure to have flow. So I'm also a wedding photographer and I teach this, not teach it. Well, that's silly, but like in my discussions with my brides, we create a plan for the day. Like this is how you need to be very structured to know I need this much time to do getting ready pictures, then the first look and the portraits and the ceremony and et cetera, et cetera, because every, there are so many vendors kind of crossing over and you have to have that structure or you don't get all the pictures you want. However, the day of, I tell them plans are meant to be broken and there's, they're going, it might rain. There are going to be people who are late, uh, all the things that can happen. So we'll find our flow, but we can't be efficient in our flow and still get everything done if we don't have the structure. So I really try and teach women understanding because you need to know, like, we're going to get X, Y, and Z done X, whatever it is during cocktail hour. But Hey, because of this structure, I know we have an extra 15 minutes in this window to do something else. And let's just go with the flow. Let's just see how just move with the current. So I teach women to do this mainly through accessing their, uh, their cycle. So whether you're following the moon or your feminine flow. So women, um, who do not have a regular period for any reason, if they're not menstruating, whether they're breastfeeding, they're pregnant, they're in pre or postmenopausal or just irregular menstruation, whatever it is you want to follow the moon. So, and, and if you're hearing this for the first time, I always just like to give a disclaimer of, it might sound really weird. Like, what do you mean the moon? And then I say, well, if the moon can pull an ocean in and out all day long, you better believe it's doing something to your body, right? We are almost all water. So yes, it's going to affect your, your energy. So if you really pay attention and all women can probably relate to this, that there are times where you feel like you're on top of the world. You're like, I kicked butt today. I had so much energy. I got my workout done. I made five batches of cookies and I got the kids dressed and I did all the laundry. We all know, right? We have those times. And then a couple of weeks later, we feel like we're lost and I'm so tired and I don't know what I'm doing. And you start to almost feel depressed and you're low energy. And it felt really hard to do this and etc. It's your cycle. And once we really begin to understand how to sink in with that, how to align with that and notice, cause it's not, you know, you follow the moon. I follow my menstruation. I'm following Aaron. You know, and no one has this energy. So while I have a regular menstruation, I am Aaron and I, I get really tired during ovulation, but a lot of people don't, you know, it's really finding your own rhythm, your own energy, and then beginning to sync things with that and recognize and be prepared for that to know, oh my gosh, I always pick a fight with my significant other around this time. Hmm. I'm noticing that pattern. That be, and then you create more boundaries of recognizing, okay, when that pisses me off on that day of my cycle, I'm going to pocket it. And if I'm still mad about it five days from now, then I'll bring it up. 
and setting that boundary with yourself and recognizing, you know, it's not healthy to run a marathon on this day of my cycle, but it's, I can do it really well on this day. So on these days, I'm going to do yoga instead, or I'm going to feed myself this way, or I'm going to save all the decluttering of the house for my luteal phase, because I know that's the energy that loves decluttering. And then I can be in my menstrual phase with ease and enjoyment instead of being triggered by the clutter because Mm -hmm. I use, you know, so it's Mm -hmm. this really beautiful sinking of identifying. And that's how I walk women through their own bodies and their own energy to identify those different patterns and adjust their schedules. Yeah. Yeah. It gets me to thinking about, um, you know, you're, you're adjusting the environment. You're just adjusting your activity to meet your internal needs. And, you know, it kind of goes to, you know, our children too, when we try to figure out what they're, um, oh, what do you call that? Now I'm going to lose. We have the train going by now too. Um, <laughs> they're, you know, we're, we're all born with, uh, not disposition, but what do I want to say? Um, like a rhythm. Yeah, that's not the word. But anyway, when when you know, really know your child, instead of working against them or even against their brain, because you know, behavior really is about what's going on in the brain. Right. So a lot of times when we're using, you know, fear-based things, you know, if you don't do this, then I'm gonna take that, we're pushing them down to those lower centers of the brain. And so rather than working against our internal self and trying to fit mm-hmm. it into a box to adjust the environment and adjust the activities to fit our individual needs. Absolutely. I, a million percent. And that even kind of brings me back to understanding your Enneagram type or your human design. Those are, and those are little things that I, I discuss uh, like extracurricularly through my program, because it's really supportive and to understand that in your child as well. Um, so for instance, like I'm an Enneagram four, I'm an, I'm just, I'm creative. I'm very emotional. I feel, I become my emotions. And so as a child, this was translated to you're being over, you're being dramatic. You're being oversensitive. It's not that big a deal. Stop crying just those, those types of things, or I would become sad throwing away a pair of sneakers and like, Aaron, you're being ridiculous. They're old, you know, it's like, but I'm attached to those sneakers. Cause I have a lot of feelings. So had my family known any, and I don't even know if the Enneagram was around then, but just having that information, it's, I could have been guided and taught to feel my feelings and move through them, but not become them. And similarly, I'm, so I'm watching my children Um, and I believe, and you can't type someone, they'll be able to find out when they're older, but I, I believe that my kid, my daughter is a type nine, which is the peacemaker, which can be very dangerous. That is the people pleaser, no boundaries. Um, and I believe my son is, I believe it's a type two, but the type that everything has to be right. And people have to do things the right way. And if they don't, or he doesn't, it triggers him very much. And it can be, that can be very difficult to see in a child because it does create a lot of, um, he, he just becomes incredibly upset if things. So for instance, for his homework, first grade, he had to circle answers, not fill in the blank with the word. He started writing the words in and we're like, that's no big deal for the rest of them. All you have to do is circle them. 
And he's like, well, that's, then that's not right. I have to erase it. I have to. And so it might seem like perfectionism or OCD or something like that. It's not for him. And obviously like, that's a totally different um, bag, but Mm -hmm. he, he just likes things to be done the right way. So anyway, like fully understanding your child and who they are. And instead of trying to fit them or yourself into the box, like you said, uh, learn yourself. And as you begin to learn yourself and do a self-study, it's going to, and this is what's happened to me that I've learned so much about my personality and who I am. It's like, oh, I'm really excited to understand this about my whole family. And now I'm able to understand them and hold space for Dustin, my husband, and for Hannah and John Paul, for individual people inside of my home and honor that and witness and see who they are. And it creates a beautiful harmony and bonding. Oh, I think that is so beautiful. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That you, there isn't this idea of who they need to be because, you know, they don't even know what your idea of who they need to be is. And, you know, so we get all of this power struggle stuff and yeah, when we can understand ourselves, we can start to understand others and yeah, just hold that space and honor all of those individual pieces of each other. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it gets us out of also labeling things. Um, you know, I'm even just in, in the realm of children. I think when we see behaviors and personalities, we want to label things to understand them honestly with everything in the world right now, you get one smidgen of information and you immediately think, you know, the whole picture. (laughs) of that person or that situation or the belief system or whatever it is. And, um, it's really amazing to just kind of take that single piece of information and allow that to be a part of that person, but not the whole person. And that it doesn't mean, you know, like needing to erase an answer because they did it wrong. Doesn't mean that he has OCD or ADHD or because my daughter is upset because someone's upset with her. doesn't mean that she's oversensitive it means she likes to please people and to teach her the boundary of allowing people to have their feelings and hurt all of those things. You know, it's, they're all opportunities to help your child grow even more into who they are instead of to grow into what they think they need to be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And Erin, I don't know, did, I don't think we really talked about this and if I did, you can correct me. Um, but so you weren't always this person who knew all this stuff about yourself, right? So how did you come to this? Great question. <laughs> I, well, you know, I think it, that question could really stem back to, to forever ago. Um, you know, as a child, I was incredibly observant and aware of other people, dynamics and interactions. Um, you know, as a child of divorce, and I think, I don't think I'm this way because of that. I think I'm more aware of this piece of me because of that. Um, so I've always been very fascinated in people. And I think I've later learned that I'm what's called an empath and, um, a highly sensitive person, meaning I'm just painfully aware of everything. It's really hard to watch like 
animals get hurt in a movie or something like that. So I, I encourage you, any listener, if you're hearing that, like, oh, that's interesting, just do a quick search and you'll you'll easily find a million things of you're an HSP if or you're an empath if. And it's really powerful to know that about yourself. So but anyway, I went on to study psychology and got my um, undergrad degree in psychology and chose to then get my master's degree in counseling because I was, I'm just so insanely fascinated with other people and how the brain works and how relationships work and, and behavior and like all of those things. And, um, when I motherhood really kind of pulled the rug out from under me just in a way. And I think it does for most women, honestly, because you, you kind of go, you're, Aaron, the, uh, you know, the, the married career person. And then all of a sudden you're just a mom, (laughs) you know, your home image of motherhood, which exactly falls apart, falls apart completely. It's completely romanticized. No one is really fully honest about the pain and beauty that coincides together. Um, and because of that, you're kind of learning as you're tumbling (laughs) and, that's what really prompted me. So I ended up in um, urgent care with an anxiety attack and I didn't know I was having an anxiety attack until I was in the waiting room. And I I actually laughed out loud in the waiting room. I was like, oh, oh, this is, this is the thing I'm trained in this. And I didn't realize this is what I was dealing with. And I, I was met with compassion, but here's medication for you. And, um, I didn't take the medication simply because I needed that to be a last resort just because of how I physically respond to medication, which is a completely different discussion. Cause I think there's absolutely a place for it, but I was kind of put up against the wall of you need to figure something out, Aaron. So that really had me kind of spiral into this personal development of let's really dig into who I am. And it just kind of throws you into this world of self-discovery and you can choose, you pick and choose like the avenues and your wheelhouses and all of those things. But I've just always been fascinated. Like even as a child, I had astrology books and dictionary or um, dream dictionaries and things like that. And I've just always been very fascinated. And, um, and then all the personality tests that I was um, trained in through grad school and the testing I would do for children in school. I just could, I just want to take it all in. I just love it so much. And I realized, um, you know, in the past few years, like I, I need to pull things back and know who I am because I feel lost. I, I, I just don't even, and I think that's something that resonates with a lot of moms of like, who am I? I don't know who I am anymore. I'm not. And I think a lot of women seek to become the woman they were, before being a mom, but you're not that woman anymore. You're so much more than that in a really beautiful way. And I think a lot of women trying, trying to abandon that to become what she knew and what was comfortable. And because we can't access that, we become, we feel isolated and lost and sometimes depressed or anxious or all of those things. So instead of trying to go back, I chose to move forward of, of like, okay, well, who am I now? And researching all of these things and working with other women who it's their wheelhouse to like read these reports to me and tell me about myself and, um, you know, have the books and the podcasts. I, I feel very confident and not uncomfortable starting off a sentence when someone says, who are you for me to say, I am Aaron and I am Leo's son, Scorpio rising, et cetera. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's, it's a never ending journey and it's really exciting. And it has allowed me to learn about the people around me and also create 
a network of people around me I've never had in my life of supportive, Mm -hmm. like-minded people. So you are what you eat and you attract what you are. So it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So tell us about your book. Yeah. So motherhood stripped. Yeah. So this was published in November of 2020. Um, I delivered the manuscript at the end of March of 2020. And, you know, when you're in the thick of it, uh, you just, you just do, right. You're just kind of moving along. And the realization of, you know, I've looked back, I'm in a state right now, just feeling like I feel tired physically, mentally, emotionally, but not in a bad way. I'm just, I feel tired. And I look back and realize like, wow, 2020 and through 21, a lot has happened. (laughs) And part of that was delivering a manuscript when my kids were sent home virtually as a first grader and a pre-K child who I needed to continue to teach at home. Um, And I thought delivering a manuscript, it was like, you know, brush your hands off, like, whoa, wrote a book. Well, it's not like that, you know, that everything starts. (laughs) Yes. All of the, the editing and read through this. And, um, I read that book so many times in, in 2020, just to get it, um, published. So where the idea came from is it's a two-part book. And like I had mentioned before, I don't think a lot of people have an honest discussion around how beautiful and hard or uncomfortable motherhood is right. It is, it, it, it's, it's just such a powerful, beautiful journey. And I think either people come into a narrative of it's fine. Everything's fine. We're not going to talk about it. Or they come, they play the narrative of this is so hard. I can't get through it without coffee and wine. And it's none of those things. It's none of those things. We're not victim to any of that stuff. So I felt really, um, when I was going through my anxiety, I shared with other women here and there that I felt comfortable with saying like, I'm, I'm dealing with not just like, Oh, I'm anxious. I'm dealing with the kind of anxiety that I physically am sick every day. I, um, I can't even like take a walk without my body, like shutting down and needing to call someone to say, come pick me up because I I don't know if I can get home that kind of anxiety every single day. And I shared that with some people and I had more than enough women look at me and go, "Mm, I know I'm dealing with that too. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, what, how I thought I was this like way far off on the bell curve experience here, but it seems like it's actually in the center of the bell curve. And why, why are we not talking about this? So I felt very adamant about having a real discussion about it. I've always loved writing. I've always wanted to write a book, but I always just sat in the space of, I don't uh, I'll know what to write when I know what to write. And it just kind of hit me one day of, I want to share my story, not to be about Aaron, but for you to read it, to feel seen yourself and people permission to share their story. Exactly. And to know like, oh my gosh, this is, I don't want to use the word normal, but this is a typical experience in motherhood. There's nothing wrong with me and I'm okay. And I, so I share my story from, just that romanticization, romanticization, is that the word of, of feeling excited to date? You know, my husband is my favorite person. We've been together, um, married for 11 or 12 years. I don't know. I'd have to count, um, (laughs) together for longer than that. And I've, he's just always been one of my favorite people. And it was so exciting dating him and 
imagining getting engaged and getting engaged and planning a wedding and all of those things that as a young woman you go through and really you're looking for that happily ever after. Right. And then you have the kids and it's like, Whoa, this is not fun. This is, this is not what I expected. But at the same time, I'm so in love and this is everything I've ever wanted. And it's incredibly jarring. And I don't think it has to be. So I wrote, the second part of the book is all about the layered growth method. So, you know, when I was writing the book, I wanted to share all of the tools that I've gathered over the years that helped me not just stand back up, but to really become me and do all the things that I'm doing and with confidence and, um, living in a purpose kind of feeling that anybody can get to that point, but you need to take care of yourself. And this is how, and then you can grow. And this is how, and that's how the layered growth method was uh, born was through writing that book. Um, and then after writing the book, I developed the layered growth Academy, which is the program that helps individual women integrate the layered growth method specific to them. Cause I always mm -hmm. talk about, we can read a book and feel inspired and take ideas and take little nuggets here and there. Um, but if you, any of us, if we really want like a full integration, like life trajectory changing kind of growth is when you want to join a coaching program, right? Action, right? Action. It helps you take uh, and, action and that's where the yes, magic happens. Exactly. So that's where the program was born. And that's, um, it was amazing to write. It's been incredible. And, um, yeah, I love yeah. it. <laughs> great. Great. Well, congratulations on the, thank book. you. Um, this has been an absolute delight having you here and talking about this. I could keep going. <laughs> I know. Um, thank you so much. Yes. Um, let our listeners know where they can find you. So the best places to find me, um, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at Aaron Joyce Co. I'm not insanely active on social media right now. I am a little, um, and that's part of my tool of supporting myself through continuing to parent through a pandemic at the moment. Um, but where I'm very consistent also is my email list. So you can go to my website, AaronJoyceMentoring.com. You can look at ways to work with me. Uh, and then if you go to the freebie section, so you could also just do AaronJoyceMentoring.com slash freebies, you can select any of those things. Um, you know, I have a cycle syncing chart for you, um, free webinars that I have, like all sorts of things that you can choose from. You can pick one or all of them, uh, signing up for that will get you on my email list. And I send one email a week and that's on Fridays to, um, just give you the wrap up of my podcast, which is called Steamboat huddle, um, my blog posts and just fun information and just updates on anything that's new. So those are the podcast and email list are the best places. That's where I'm consistent always. All right. Well, thank you so thank much, Erin. And go check Erin out because she is amazing. Thank you. Right. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Have a great week and we'll see you back here again soon. Thank you for tuning into the Beauty and Behavior Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. I'm so very grateful for all of you who are showing up here with me because I believe subtle shifts create big impact. How we show up in our life, in our relationships, or our parenting impact our life, our children's lives, and the world. If you're ready to brave the wilderness of your beautiful soul, live life from the inside out, and create the life you want to live, 
head over to my website at diansorensen.net and get on my calendar to see if the Beauty and Behavior family is the right fit for you. I got you, and we'll talk again soon.